0: hey what 's up everybody how you doing this morning you feeling good <laughs> Awesome, hey, like Joel said, welcome back to all of the students who are back in town. super excited that you guys are here that you 're back and uh, looking forward to having you all with us throughout the school year. I believe this is going to be a um, I believe this is going to be an important year uh, on this on the campus and in the city of Newark. I think God is going to use some people. To do some unexpected things, do some pretty powerful things. Come on, you believe that? Yeah. Amen. So I think we're going to see heaven grow. I got to share with you guys a, a quick miracle. Um, I think it's still in the making. Um, we'll see. We'll see how I feel here at the end of the message. But I woke up. Is that my mic going crazy? It sounds kind of ringy. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's my head ringing. But uh, <laughs> woke up about about four thirty this morning. And I don't know if you guys ever had this happen. Sometimes after I I do lawn work, yard work, I I did yesterday, most of the day, uh, I I have some allergies kind of attack me. And and, uh, so I woke up about 4.30 in the morning and like no air was moving through my nose. Kind of scared me almost because, you know, you're like trying to breathe and you can't. Uh, And uh, so tried to go back to sleep, didn't work out, got up. And uh, I, literally, I, I couldn't tell if it was allergies, or if I was getting sick, and was really close to, like, calling Joel um, and being like, hey, dude, <laughs> get ready to preach, because I can't. And um, so just ask God to kind of show up. And the cool thing is, like, right now, man, both nostrils working, can breathe, ask God to help me. And so, hey, I'll take it. Hey, even little miracles count, and we ought to give God glory for them, all right? So uh, feeling feeling all right at the moment. We'll see. What happens, I did take a little bit of medicine, which is always great because that means if I say anything that I shouldn't, I can blame the medicine, not me. All right, so uh, so hey, just want to welcome you guys like Joel said. We've been in a series called Teach Us to Pray. We've been talking about how to develop a healthy prayer life uh, in our walk with God. And, and uh, if you've missed it, if you haven't been here the last couple of weeks, I really want to encourage you to hop on our website, TV. Uh, and, and down, you can download the audio or we have a podcast out there available. If you just search for true life church in Newark, um, you can grab the podcast and listen to the last couple of weeks. Even if you haven't been with us though, today's still going to help you. Uh, it's actually going to be super practical. I know the last couple weeks have been real emotional and kind of fiery. And so what I want to do today is kind of give you something really practical because we've been in this season, 21 days of prayer. And, um, and I don't have the heart to tell now cause it'll make everybody laugh. To to tell Joel that we're not—it's not a season of fasting. It's just twenty-one days of prayer, and we do fasting in January. So, the rest of us have been eating fine. Um, sorry for you, but uh, <laughs> but uh, I love you, and you're my you're my friend. But uh, didn't have to fast. You're so spiritual. All right. So uh, so. But anyway, we've been in this season of twenty-one days of prayer, and what I want to give you today is just some real practical. Uh, application kind of tools that you can use because what a lot of times will happen is we spend time in the season like this we get kind of fired up around prayer we get kind of fired up around talking to God and then day twenty two happens that's tomorrow and and all of those habits kind of disappear so what I want to give you is is just some tools some practical application that you can use to kind of keep the fire burning keep the coals hot uh, even after this this season where we're really focusing in on prayer has passed us by as a church. Because uh, you want to make it to January and not have to dig out of the rut that you that you got into in between the two seasons of prayer, you want to get to January and it just be another place where you kind of boost and take off and go to the next level. Are you with me? Because you know you know your your walk with God is like that. It's it, it's full of of mountain peaks and even sometimes what feels a little bit like a valley. I, what I've found a lot of times is what feels like the valley isn't really a valley. It's more of a plateau. And we just don't know how to handle it emotionally when it doesn't feel like we're on a rocket ship. And and you know, you know what I'm talking about? When it just feels like everything around you that has to do with God just feels like it's on fire. And then God takes us into some seasons where we kind of plateau and level off. And what he's doing is he's just do, working on the foundational stuff, testing us, working on our habits. So that when the time is right for that next season of growth, we can we have a strong foundation to grow on top of. Are you with me? And uh, so maybe that'll encourage some of you. I don't... I know a lot of times people get discouraged with the, what feels like an up and down, and I would just encourage you with what feels like a down, maybe it's not. Maybe just plateaued a little bit, and that's actually a good thing. That means God is, is preparing you for the next season of growth in your life, so, so embrace it. Don't, don't run away from it. That's not even in my notes. That's free. That's free preaching today, and, um, so, but you can tip in the offering if you want. All right, so um, I'm kidding. Um, so, so wrapping up the series today, I do want to make you guys aware something really, really really special, really important. I'm, I'm really pumped up about the next series that we're starting next week. Been praying a lot about the right direction to go. Had several different ideas, several different options that I was kind of wrestling with. And really felt like God spoke to me, actually just yesterday. And uh, we're going to be launching a brand new series. It'll be very evangelistic, really helping people with, with some issues in their life. And the series is called Baggage. Uh, live free, travel light, and uh, and so I'm I'm really looking forward to that. We're going to talk about how to deal with all the baggage that we can accumulate in our lives, and I want to encourage you if you have friends, family, neighbors, strangers who you think might be struggling with with some baggage, you want to get them here over the next five weeks and and let them hear this series. Let them be a part of what is going to happen here, and, uh, and at the end of September, going to be a really cool weekend. We have Corey Hardesty from the Association of Related Churches that will be back with us again, and uh, really fired up about that. So going to be a big month here, and uh, it's got to be a growth month, all right? So everybody raise your right hand. Raise your right hand, say, I promise to do my best, never to come to church alone. All right, God saw you promise, he will kill you if you break your promise. All right, so... <laughs> Let's, hey, let's grow, all right? Let's grow during the fall. People are coming back to school. People are getting back into their fall routine. So let's, let's be aggressive about sharing the gospel, sharing the message of Jesus Christ. That's a great place to get excited and get loud and get rowdy. True life, come on. All right. Thank you, Tim, for always bailing me out. So uh, anyway, let's look at Luke chapter 11, verse 1. This has kind of been our theme verse for this series. And it says, once Jesus was in a certain place and that's what we're going to talk about today a certain place praying as he finished one of his disciples came to him and said lord teach us to pray and so what we've kind of been rehashing every week is there's this moment here where jesus goes to pray and these disciples who they're not new to spiritual things they grew up in the jewish tradition they're 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 familiar with the Word of God. They're familiar with Scripture. They're familiar with prayer. Yet there's something about watching Jesus pray that compels them to go to Him and say, "We want what you have." We, when I pray, it doesn't it doesn't feel like that. It doesn't seem like that. And that's kind of what we've been talking about throughout. We started the series off asking the question: Have you ever seen something someone else had that you wanted? Not just materialistically, but spiritually. Have you ever been around someone that that just feels like they connect with God in a special way, and you thought? I want that, and I think that's how the disciples felt when they watched Jesus pray, and so they came to him and said, hey, teach us to pray like that, and so we've talked about how prayer doesn't have to be something that we dread. I think oftentimes you talk about prayer, and people kind of shut down, because it's kind of like that thing, that they're like, eh, I, know I, I know I ought to, I know I should, but it just feels like, and, and, and what happens is the enemy is so good at tricking us into believing that we when we pray we pray out of duty or we pray out of tradition or religion and and that it's something that we've got to check off the list every day so that we can be a good little christian and and get a good report card from heaven how many know god doesn't work that way that's not that's not what it's about and so what we've tried to establish with you is that it's it's about relationship and prayer is our way to 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 build a relationship with the god of the universe and And uh, So our prayer life should flow from that, from our relationship with God. Last week we talked about about what to pray for, and I shared with you some things from that that one little scripture, uh, uh, the prayer of Jabez, and how we need to pray for blessing and not be afraid to ask for that. Blessing doesn't mean we just ask for whatever we want. It's not this name it, claim it, hyper-faith thing that we've seen oftentimes uh, abused and, and misrepresented, but we can ask, we can go to God boldly and ask him to bless us and and uh, So we need blessing. We need to ask God for influence and to enlarge our territory. We need to ask God to fill our lives with his presence. How many want God walking with you throughout your life, not just walking through it by yourself? And, then, and we need to ask, because listen, when you live that way, you become dangerous to the devil. You become dangerous to hell, and so he doesn't like that. He will go on the attack, and so we talked about we need to pray for protection. Ask God to protect us from the issues that, that show up when the enemy is angry at us. So this week will be the most practical of them all. And we're going to look at how to keep this healthy habit of prayer going after this season of emphasis we've been in. What do I do tomorrow? What do I do on day 22? Can prayer continue to be a part of my everyday lifestyle? And I just want to answer the question right up front emphatically. Yes, prayer can continue to be a part of your everyday lifestyle. You don't have to get past this season of prayer that we've been in as a church and have it drop off of your radar and have your relationship with God take a nosedive. It can stay, it can stay fresh. It can stay red hot. In fact, Jesus in Luke chapter 18, gets. he's getting ready to tell one of the, the great parables, great stories he tells. I think a lot of times we overlook verse number one, which says, One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray, and never give up. I want to say that together. Come on, Jesus, he told this story to show that they should always pray, and never give up. Now you got to say it like you really mean it, all right? So he told the story to show that they should always pray, and never give up. So we should always, always, always be looking to have a conversation with our Father, with our Heavenly Father. This is the most important relationship that you have. Why wouldn't you want to prioritize your conversations with him, First Thessalonians five seventeen. By the way, if you've struggled with memorizing scripture, there, there's several verses right in a row in First Thessalonians chapter five that were made just for you because they're all three words. All right, so so you can memorize this one. Look, First Thessalonians five seventeen. Never stop praying. If you can't memorize that one, baby, we got problems. All right, you can. So so never stop praying. And we should just always be in an attitude of communication with our Father. Jesus said that his house, his house, that's us, is to be a house of prayer. One of the reasons I'm excited, and, and for all of you students who are just getting back, you, this is going to be news to you, but but last week and the week before, I've kind of shared some just little drops of vision and where we think we're going in the future, and, and uh, after the first of the year in February, we're going to go to two services here on Sunday mornings, um, and uh yeah, you should be, that's something to be excited. So, yeah. Setup crew's like, what? <laughs> no, what we're actually going to do, this is a great opportunity for some of you to join our life team and get involved because you thought, I could do the setup teardown tear down thing, but I don't like seven o'clock in the morning. That doesn't sound fun to me. I'm not alive yet. And uh, so, so here's what's actually going to happen. That crew, we're going to split in half and, and one half of that crew will get here early and set up and then they get to attend the first service and then they can go home, all right? And then the other half of that crew will come and attend the second service and stay to tear down, and then they can go home. So you still get to go to church, and you get to do half the work. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? All right? We're, we're all my set-up tear-down guys. Aren't you, you should be amening that right now, all right? So so for some of you, some of you guys that are like, <laughs> I still got to stay for two. <laughs> yeah. If, unless you drive the truck, then you're toast. Um, but, uh, but, but listen, so, so for some of you guys, you're like, man, I just, I, I've wanted to get involved with that. I'm just too lazy to go to, the, to do the setup thing. Now we're making it easy for you. You can come to a second service, help us pack up and tear down. But here's the, here's the problem that we're facing, just being real honest with you, is that uh, we've maxed out our nursery a couple times during the summer. And summer's not the time of the year when you're supposed to have the largest attendance. And so even though there's extra seats in here, we've got a whole back section that we, we oftentimes don't open up or don't use. Even though there's room in here, there's not room over there, all right? And so some of you know we've talked about trying to get some space in the shopping center here. And, and so far, that's not really gone anywhere. So what we're praying about, what we're asking God about, and we don't have any concrete plans at this point, is what, what now? What do we do? Because we don't want to be uh, limited in our growth. Because we run out of nursery space. So when we go to two services, kids, usually one service or the other has more children in it. So we anticipate that that'll be full again really soon, like maybe within six months. So the question is, and what we're talking about with trustees is is a year from now, what do we do? And so some of our trustees have kind of been doing the homework and talking to some real estate brokers and, and figuring out if there's some spaces that we can lease. All you college students, I want you to know we're committed to staying within walking distance or buying a bus. All right, so so we will get you to church. All right, we will get you to church one way or the other. Uh, and I told the trustees, you, if you have to move us out of Central Newark where kids can't walk to our church, then you got to get a bus. All right, that's the rule. I don't care how. It ha- I don't care if you steal it, but we're gonna have a bus. All right, so uh, we're gonna get you to church whether it's legal or not. All right, you're gonna get here. All right, so. So y'all better y'all better bring some friends who got some connections in the city. That's all I'm saying. And uh, so 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 why are you telling us all that? Because there's a real possibility that that maybe a year from now, a year and a half from now, we don't have to uh, be at a facility that we only have access to once a week. And uh, and so that means, guess what? If you have a building that you have the keys to anytime you want it, there's just all, small groups can meet there. Uh, we can have prayer services anytime we want. You know, hey, listen, True Life Church needs to be a a church of prayer, a place where people come and get in contact with God on a regular and frequent basis. And so one of the reasons I'm fired up about the possibility, the potential of us having a different place to be is the fact that we get to go in there anytime we want and get into God's presence. Come on, somebody. Come on, you with me? All right. So so you, you all think maybe I'm building up to a sales pitch, and I'm really not. I'm really, really not. All I want you to do is this, because there's, there's, I hadn't planned on talking about this in this part of the message, but it just feels like it's the right time. So just, just listen to me for a second. On, if you look at your offering envelopes that are in the seats next to you, you'll, you'll notice there's only a few categories on there. Tithe and offering, uh, missions, and, and I think we have, do we have building fund on there? Is it on there? depends on if you have the new version of the envelope or not. All right. So, so <laughs> there's an other category, though. And so on other, you can actually write building or, or future if you want to. All right. So here's what I'm asking you to do. If you, if you have not participated in giving while you attended True Life Church, I'm asking you to ask God whether or not you should and just be obedient. All right. And if he tells you not to, then don't. It's as simple as that. We don't ask you guys for we'll never do pledge cards. We'll never ask you to commit to a certain amount because we don't think that that tithes and offering and giving is just funds for the church. It's not just it doesn't it's not a business. It's it's worship. It's your communication. It's it's your offering to God. All right. That's our heart here. So everything we would always say is just ask God. All right. If you're already giving and you're already tithing and so so you're at that ten percent marker or, or, or wherever you're at. And you say, sir, are you asking me to give more? No, I'm asking you to ask God if you should. And if he says yes, then you should be obedient. And if he doesn't say anything, then you should do whatever you feel like you're supposed to do. All right? Is that fair? I mean, that's genuinely my heart, guys. I don't ever want anyone to go, well, keep bugging me about the building. Here's an extra 50 cents. All right, so I don't ever want that to be the heart of giving here. But I do want you to know that when you give, and this is you can read your Bible frontwards and backwards, when we give faithfully, there's there's something supernatural that happens over our lives that unlocks a different level of blessing than what we have whenever we're stingy and we keep everything. And all the givers said, Amen. Amen. All right. So, so, so why? Why do we need to do that? Well, because for us to go into another space, it really happens one of two ways. Either we go lease something which means they're going to look at the credit history for our church. And when you're a year and a half old, you don't have any credit history for your church. It doesn't exist, all right? Um, So so what really speaks volumes when you're trying to move into a piece of retail space is when you just got a big old pile of cash sitting in the bank, and you can say, look, look, here's our statement. Paying our rent is not going to be an issue, not going to be a problem. Here's proof. And so that's why I'm bringing it to you guys, because I can't make that happen. I don't have any any rich friends that I can call up and say, hey, give us some money. I don't, I don't ha- the only way it happens is if we, as the body of Christ, lock arms together and say, we're gonna build this thing, we're gonna do it. And here's my commitment to you, that we're not gonna go into something in debt. We're not gonna go get a line of credit. We're not gonna use credit cards. We're not gonna get a loan from the bank. The body of Christ is gonna build his church and we're gonna walk in there, everything paid for on day one, ready to pay our rent for a year. Come on, are you with me? That's the way it's gonna happen. Or it ain't going to happen, and we'll be having church in the parking lot with a megaphone. But that's all right. It'll be all right. So, Actually, we'll be in here, but your kids will be in the nursery out there, which might not be good in the wintertime. All right. <laughs> so Jesus said his house is to be a house of prayer. Are you all cool with that? I just wanted to share some vision with you. Is that okay? Is that all right? You good with that this morning? All right. So so let me tell you what happens when a church becomes a praying church. One of the churches that we kind of learn from and model after is in a city down in Alabama called Birmingham. It's called Church of the Highlands. And I, I heard this statistic last week, and it blew me away. And, uh, and so about four years ago, this church decided, or five years ago, this church decided to really begin putting an emphasis on prayer. And it just kind of got into some people's spirits, got into their hearts. And every year since 1966, from 1966 to 2003, 2004, the crime rate in Birmingham, Alabama had gone up. Every year, it just kept climbing. In fact, the, the, you, I talked to my friends who live in. One of our overseers lives in Birmingham, and he'll he'll straight up tell you there's parts of Bur- just like Wilmington. There's places you just don't go. You just don't go there, all right. Especially not after dark. You don't go because you might not come back, all right. <laughs> and so every year the crime rate grew until a few years ago. They decided, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna start doing prayer walks, and we're not just gonna go pray walk where. To prayer rocks where it feels safe, they, they called the city and said, tell us the neighborhoods that are the worst. And once a month, we're gonna go target the worst areas and we're gonna walk around that area and pray for God to do a miracle. And, and they began to get so much influence with the city that the chief of police and several uh, officers from the police department started showing up in squad cars to escort them as they prayed through the worst areas in Birmingham. And check it out, since they started praying over the last four year, five years now, Every year, the crime rate in Birmingham, Alabama has dropped by double digits. What? <laughs> so it, from 1966, it it kept climbing until some people just started getting a hold of God and saying, hey, come and change our city. And so, so it's so important to, uh, to me, church, that that this we do these 21 days in in uh, august we do 21 days in january we put this emphasis on prayer and getting in god's presence but can i tell you something that's not good enough it's not good enough when you get together with your small groups you need to get in front of the throne of god and cry out to him and ask him to bless the people who attend ask him to bless the families and protect and i'm hoping somebody today gets fired up about doing a prayer walk i'll come walk with you I'm not organizing it because I can't organize my way out of a wet paper bag. But if you organize it, I will come pray with you. All right? I will do it. Put it on my task list. I will be there. All right? So so, so wouldn't I, don't you want some stories like that in Newark? Don't you want to hear about some miracles? So I don't want to be a place where we just have to talk about miracles that happen other places. And we've had plenty happen here. But I want to see God move in an incredible way. Today before service, there were team members here praying for you. There were people that, that, that came in and, and asked God to show up. And, and the worship team, every Sunday, after they practice and sound check, we gather in the back of the room and we ask God to show up and, and touch people's lives and speak to people. And so, so here's what I wanna do. I wanna ask you to take what I give you today and put it to the test. Like do everything in your notes and in this message for one week and just see what happens. That's all I'm asking for, seven days. Seven days. I'm asking you for it's the drugs. It's, I'm asking you for seven days to do everything that I'm gonna preach to you in this message. Just just decide right now before you even know what it is, because it's all good, I promise. It's not heresy or anything. Just just make a decision right now to do everything that I'm about to preach for seven days and let's just see what God happens. What what God does. Let's see what happens. Can we can we do that? Can we agree to that? You with me? All right, so check it out. Here's life's having a lifestyle of prayer requires a few things. Number one, everyone needs a certain time. This is the first place in your notes, a certain time. I love the story of Daniel. You see just a piece of it here in in Daniel chapter six, verse 10. It says, but when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, what law? It was this law that basically made it illegal for him to worship God. When he heard that the law had been signed, he went home, knelt down as usual in his upstairs room, With its windows open toward Jerusalem, he prayed three times a day, just as he had always done. So there was a certain certain time, there was a routine that Daniel had established, giving thanks to his God. And of course, we know the miracle that happens in that story. And I just think no matter who you are, no matter what your personality style is, there's a benefit to taking a certain time, a certain place in your day and dedicating it to communicating with God. It doesn't mean that's the only time you talk to him. It doesn't mean that you're going to hell if you miss your appointment that day. But I'm just a big fan of making sure I've got an appointment every day set with the creator of the universe. And I just don't, it's not a religious thing. It's not a check off the box thing. It's just, I I know that for me, if I'm intentional with my time, the chances of me missing that appointment go down. And I don't want to have a day go by that I don't talk with my creator. So I'm not asking you to create religious tradition. I'm just asking you to think about where in your day are you being, listen, you're intentional with everything else. You have a time that you have to get to work by. If you're taking classes, you know what time you have to be in the class. You know when your assignments are due. You know when exams are going to happen. If you're running a business, you know when the paychecks have to go out. We have a certain time for everything else, but we're oftentimes very cavalier about our time with God. Why not be intentional about spending time with the creator of the universe? We need a a certain time. Number two, I think everyone needs a certain place. A certain place. Mark one thirty-five. before daybreak, the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place. To pray, and we see this in Scripture a few times where Jesus goes to a certain spot, a certain place and spend time spends time with the father and i I think it benefits i don 't know what that is for you I, you guys have heard me talk about many times now my basement has become that place, and um, it 's actually really fun because my basement's kind of messy, so I pray and I walk and I pace and I play like this obstacle corks game all at the same time. But before that, when, when I was still working a, a regular job, before I went full-time with the church, a lot of times it was my car. And in my car was my certain time and my certain place. So I had this half-hour commute to the office, and I would just put on some worship music, and I would just talk with God. And I'd do the same thing on my way. If your job was anything like mine, you really need it on the way home <laughs> so that you don't come home and dump all that on your family. So you, you need to have some, some communion. Everybody needs a certain place. I don't know what your spot is, but I encourage you to go find it. I know, I know where my wife's is. She's she's got this this corner of the room where she'll go, get in a chair, and she just she kind of cuddles up there with her Bible and just talks to God. And I and even I love even my daughter now. She knows Daddy's having quiet time. Or I'll come into the room. I say, Hey, where's mommy? She's having quiet time. <laughs> she's with Jesus. <laughs> I love that. Listen, parents, your kids need. to... Don't hide, don't hide it from them. They need to know that you go to the creator for the answers. Come on. They're going to they're model the patterns that they see us practice. So you need a certain time, a certain place. And I think last, we need a certain plan. A certain plan. And Jesus gave it to us, Luke 11, 2-4. This is what's commonly known as the Lord's Prayer. And like I said last week, Jesus wasn't giving us words to recite. You can def- certainly do that. But he was actually giving us a model for prayer. He said, Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. And so we see in the Lord's Prayer worship. We see in the Lord's Prayer repentance. We see in the Lord's Prayer lifting up our needs to him. Asking for his will to be done. We see all these pieces happening in the Lord's Prayer and so he gives us this model it's a it's a plan and so i would encourage you when you get when you go into your certain time and your certain place don't just go into your prayer time and go hey, hey god um that enough help me help me just help me, God. Help me. Help. So, so, you know, a lot of times we go into our prayer and we don't have a plan. So I can just—I'll tell you—when I go into my prayer time, I may not get through the whole plan, but I always have a plan. In fact, at, on my journal, I could—or my tablet—I could pull it up for you. I have lists of government leaders, that the mayor, Mayor Funk, in Newark, and and city council members, and and uh, state representatives, and and senators, and. And I have lists of people that I that I want to pray. I have I have a I know every single member of our lead team. I, so I pray I pray through all of that. Every time I pray, I pray for Joel and Janelle and Sydney and Malachi, and I pray for Alex and Kate and Josiah and Addy, and I and I pray for Lindsay and and Brian and <clears throat> their imaginary kid, and I pray for um and I, and I pray uh, just kidding, and I pray for Kevin, and I I pray for Jessica and Steven, and I pray for. Kristen and Jeff and Lacey and Maddie and so because they, they all you know you see what I'm saying I've got a plan when I go to God I, I know this is I pray for my family for for Sarah and for Benjamin and and for my wife and and so I've, when I go to God it's not just random I've, I've got a plan these are the things that God these are the things I want to talk to you about that I want to bring to you and so we use the Lord's prayer to create a model is this helping you this morning is this helping anybody all right so get you know what I'm saying man like don't just let prayer be this, this, just this cavalier thing. We're, we're going to the creator of the universe. What's wrong with, like, you wouldn't go into a meeting with your boss and not be organized. You go sit down with your boss to talk about your job. you got a notebook to write on, a notepad. You've got, you got your junk together. You've looked at your calendar. You know what's happening. So let's, when we go to the creator of the universe, let's, let's be prepared. Let's be prepared to talk about the things that are going on in our lives. Second Chronicles, I'm sorry, look, so, so here's the thing. Let me back up. It's the drugs again. I've got. If you weren't here at the beginning of the message, I took some cold medicine this morning. All right, so some of you are like, "What? The drugs? What is he talking about?" Can't come back to church here. <clears throat> so, so I've got kind of a war cry for us this morning. Uh, um. Just two words that I hope that we walk out of here kind of remembering and putting in place. And it's just these two words. Pray first. Pray first. Everybody say it. Pray first. Come on, say it again. Pray first. Pray first. What are you talking about? You're about to have a business meeting. You know what your rally cry should be? Pray first. You're about to meet with one of your employees that you're having issues with. You're a dad like me who drops his kid off at the first day of school for the first time ever tomorrow morning. Guess what you're going to do? Pray Pray first. (laughs) Oh, sweet Jesus, are we praying? All right. You're going to a doctor's appointment and you're not sure what the news is going to be. Pray first. You're about to take an important phone call. Pray. How How many of us would get in fewer arguments with our spouses if we would pray first come on somebody your couch would not have an indentation of your body husbands if you would pray first you know what i'm saying look at second chronicles we're back to the scripture i shared with you when we started the 21 days of prayer second chronicles 7 13 and 14 and i shared verse 14 with you originally i want you to look at verse 13 cuz it's important to the scripture It says, at times, I might, this is God talking, at times I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls or command grasshoppers to devour your crops or send plagues among you. In other words, God is saying, there's going to be some rough patches. There's going to be some times that things don't feel like they're going according to plan. And then he says in verse 14, then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I'll hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. Now, let me tell you why the two verses together are significant. Because I just know how my personality works. If it's not raining, I'm looking for a solution to the problem of no water. Right? If if there are grasshoppers, I don't have crops. If I open my pantry and grasshoppers are going to work on the Teddy Grahams, I'm ticked off. But if they're devouring it, my first thought is, call an exterminator. Kill the grasshoppers. True story. I was mowing my yard yesterday, and I was just kind of, ever been grumpy? Is that just me? Am I the only one that gets grumpy? I was grumpy, all right? I'm out there mowing the lawn, and I'm getting grumpy because uh, on the back fence of my yard, the neighbors have these huge pine trees, and they're awesome. They give us privacy. I love them but they've started to grow over the fence. So when I mow against the back fence, I have to be like this. And one-handed push. And I was like, that's it. I'm done. I shut the mower off. I went to the garage. I got my lopping shears. And I'm just, I just started going nuts on the pine trees, man. I'm just like, oh yeah. I'm just chopping everything that I can. And I just happened out of the corner of my eye. I'm chopping. I hear the, I'm like. And right here, right here, right here, is hanging a nest of, of, like, mud daubers, wasps. I don't know what they are. I don't like them. And it's, I don't know how I hadn't made them angry yet because I'm chopping everything. In fact, I'm still a little sore right in here from the chopping, <laughs> chopping motion. That looks inappropriate, I'm sure, but it's a sore muscle right here. So I'm like, I jump back, and I see him, I'm like, I didn't, no, normally I would, but I was grumpy. So I did not scream like a little girl. I jumped back and I'm like, oh no, you did not set up shop in my yard. I went to it was chemical full blown chemical warfare in my backyard. I went to the garage, got some spray, any I don't even know if it was bug killer. It smelled like it would kill something. So I I'm out there now. I'm just bring it on, baby. I'm just spraying that thing. Cuz when I see something, you know when you see something like that, God's probably up there going, if you just pray first, I just make sure they don't hurt you. <laughs> Because that's what we do. It's human nature As we see a problem. We want to go find the solution and fix the problem. So God is saying in verse 13, there's problems coming. Your natural inclination is going to be to try to fix them. But verse 14, he says, but what I want you to do is humble yourselves. Pray, seek my face, turn from your wicked ways, and I will hear from heaven. Forgive your sins and restore... Your land. So how many? Don't you want to see God restore some stuff in your life? You know what restore means? That means to take it back to the original purpose for which it was intended. Some of you have a life that God had meant to do something in I wasn't going to preach as much. It was supposed to be practical and teaching. There was something incredible that God was supposed to do with your life. And you feel so off track and so far from it now. And I'm telling you, all you need to do is stop trying to find the solutions to all your problems. Humble yourself. Get in the presence of God. And he'll restore everything back to the way it's supposed to be. God responds when prayer happens first. Because oftentimes prayer happens last. So what I want you to do today, in fact, as you leave today, we have a gift for you. It's not fancy, it's not expensive, but I'm hoping that you'll wear it and it will just be a reminder to you. We have these little gray wristbands, the plastic, stretchy, I don't know if they're even cool anymore, they were a year ago. (laughs) And and imprinted on them, it just says, pray first. And I hope that you'll just wear it and let it serve as a reminder. You guys who are back at school this fall, man, I hope that thing, I hope you come back to me in six months and it's dirty and grimy because you never take it off and you need another one. I will get you another one. Just let it be. A, before we do anything else, before we look for our own solutions, before we try to fix things, let's be people who pray first. Let's go to God first. So, so let me give you some ways that you can do that. Very practical. Very, here's the practical piece. Number one, pray first. For our nation. Pray first for our nation. And I don't want to be like bearer of bad news and and I certainly don't want to get caught up in political hubbub because I think the church has done way too much of that. But I can tell you just from looking at culture and by watching the news and reading a newspaper every once in a while, our country is is in it's kind of in bad shape. Like spiritually, it's in horrible shape. Morally, it's in horrible shape. And so we need to pray. And I want to encourage you. You ought to be a voter. You ought to do the things that you can do. You ought to be involved. There was a statistic from a few years ago, something like, uh, I don't know, several million Christians, believers who are registered voters, stayed away from the polls and didn't vote. Shame on us. If we, we ought to be involved. God has put us in a country where we get to help make some of the decisions. Shame on us if we come up with any excuse that keeps us from doing that. Amen. Amen. (laughs) But I have to tell you, if your hope is in elections or government, you're going to be disappointed. If your hope is that this president or the next one or the next one or the next one, I don't care what political party they're affiliated with, if your hope is that they can fix and restore everything, you will be disappointed. If your hope is that they can provide for you and your family, you will be disappointed. Because there is one thing that brings blessing and favor and abundance in our lives and in our country. And that's whether or not we're people who pray first and go to God. That, that's not a political thing. That's a faith thing. And we need to pray first. 1 Timothy 2, 1 and 2 says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Now, I know from some of y'all's Facebooks, you don't give thanks for any of your political leaders. In fact, I'm going to meddle right now. If some of us would as passionately share the love and the gospel of Jesus Christ as we do our little memes and pictures and videos that tear down the political people that we oppose, we might actually be able to take over the country with the love of Christ. But we're so passionate about issues, and here's the thing, here's the, what I think is, the, just stay with me, if you're mad at me right now, deal with it, but just listen to me. I think one of the great tricks of the enemy is to get us to be passionate about good things that aren't the main thing. And so we're, man, we're passionate about, lower my taxes. I don't want to pay all these taxes. You're just giving it to people who don't work anyway. And that, listen, that may be true. It might be true. But it's not the main thing. And if you can scream that from the rooftops, but you can't scream the saving grace and salvation and miracle working power of Jesus Christ with the same passion, there's a problem. Something's wrong. So be as passionate about your political views as you want to be. I'm just asking you, let's keep Jesus here. Let's not let the passion for everything else outshine our passion for Christ. Why aren't you clapping right now? Because that's good preaching. Listen to this. Our calling is not to be right. Our calling is to be a blessing. That's good. And that one's mine. I didn't even steal that one, guys. <laughs> Proverbs 11, 11, Upright citizens are good for a city and make it prosper, but the talk of the wicked tears it apart. Did you catch that? Upright citizens are good for a city and make it prosper. I want to make my city prosper. But the talk of the wicked tears it apart. Pray first. For our nation, are we all still friends? Are we could. We friends with each other. I'm talking to both sides. I've seen people passionate on, on all sides of this thing, and I'm just going, "Why don't you ever talk about Jesus like that? Come on, come on, somebody." I'm meddling. I know. Holy Spirit, you do your work. I'll shut up. Number two, pray first for my family. Not my family, but your family. I want this to be personal for you. Pray first for my family. We need to, listen, our families more than ever, they need us to pray for them. You know, the enemy hates families. He wants to destroy them. If it makes you feel any better about the spiritual temperature of your household, I'm going to share a secret with you. You ready? In our house, we don't have, like, deep devotionals. (gasps) We don't. We pray every day. We pray together, pray with our kids, pray with my wife. But our our talk about what God is doing is more just, it's kind of just with the flow of what's happening in our lives. And so I might read something in the Bible or might be studying for a message and just in, because in our house, it's, it's everything's about ministry and it's teamwork anyway. Just the flow of the day and the conversation, we just talk about what God is doing. But, but we don't, some of you, you've, you've grown up in these religious traditions where people, make you feel like if you don't have a certain set of things that you do as a family, then you're not a Christian family. And I just want to tell you that's bogus. That's ridiculous. If God's the center of everything, the conversations should, are, ought to naturally just revolve around. Now, maybe you need that. Maybe you need to have a scheduled devotional time with your family. And if you feel like God is telling you to, then you should. But I just want to take the burden off of some of you and let you know that, that I am I think I'm supposed to be like the spiritual leader here. And, and I just want you to, like, we don't do it. We don't feel like we... And I don't feel bad about it. Woo-hoo. All right, drugs. it's the drugs. No, seriously. Like Ben is sick. His he'll be six months old next week, and I, I just got to be honest. I got to tell you, he's not memorizing scripture yet. All right, so I know some of you probably think that's what happens in a pastor's home. It's not. It's not what happens. But I'm you, But I'll tell you this: I am fighting for my kids in prayer. I'm fighting for them. Every night I hold Ben. I'm the guy that gets to put him to bed. I love that job. Every night I, I hold him right here. He's starting to grow, so his leg's like, <laughs> they're over here. But so I think even at six months old, he knows something's going on. Because he always, when I hold him there and I begin to pray, he just gets quiet and he just looks at me. And I always pray this. I said, God, even now, before he can even communicate with me, let him sense that there's a greater purpose for us. Plant seeds of purpose in the heart of my son to serve you with all of his. And I just fight. And I, and I pray that the enemy doesn't ever get a chance to touch them. I pray for my daughter. And I tell God, like, hey, God, if, anybody, if, if any boy ever messes with her, you're going to have to get me out of prison. <laughs> so I, I, any of y'all with boys that are around five, six years old, I'm just telling you, if they try to date my daughter, they're going to go missing when they get older. Uh, yeah, you watch it, Terry. You, you go get Terry. <laughs> We've got to pray for our family. We've got to pray for them. Nehemiah 4.14 says, Then as I looked over the situation, this is Nehemiah talking, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, Don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. I think too many Christians, we look at our culture, we look at our world and we go, "Ah! What are we going to do? How can we raise our kids in this? I'm going to tell you how. We raise them with the presence of God around us. We raise them with the, the, the one who created all of it in control of it all. We don't live in fear, man. Plus, if you're fighting with your spouse, it's really hard to fight with somebody that you're praying for. So you should pray. It's really hard to be like, God, just touch my wife and bless her, God, and and just do incredible things. Use her for your purposes and for your kids. Shut up, honey. It's really hard to go from those two. So when you pray for your family, there's probably going to be more peace in your home. Number three. This is the big one. Pray for the lost. Pray first for the lost. Let me pose a question to you. When you're in a conversation with someone, isn't it rude to only talk about what you want to talk about? Can I tell you that the number one thing on the Father's heart is the lost? So when we go to him, let's not just talk about what we want to talk about. Let's talk about the thing that's number one on his list, and that's people who don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We've got to pray first for the lost. Matthew 9, 35 to 38. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. Listen to this. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and hopeless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. Why do we do this Commercial in almost every message about getting you into life track and on a life team and in a small group because there's plenty to harvest and there's not enough hands working the harvest is great but the workers are few so pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest ask him to send more workers into his field this is Jesus is saying hey pray for this we need more workers in the fields because the harvest is great can I just tell you the things that we do here life track and these classes and trying to get you into groups they're not sometimes i worry that when we share these things from the stage that it just comes off it after enough times it starts to sound like just a church announcement and it it's not a church announcement it's our chance to respond to what G- jesus said pray to the lord who's in charge of the harvest ask him to send more workers into his fields when we get involved with the kingdom and building his church, we're responding to the request of Jesus Christ. Just, so that's what we're asking you to respond. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take time right now at the bottom of your notes, and I want you to write down the name of somebody that you know is without a shepherd. They're hopeless. They're disconnected. They don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I want you to do it right now. Just take a minute and write down the name of somebody. Because what I want you to do is I want you to get in a habit of praying for them. Maybe you want to write down two or three names. And as we enter this next season of the church and this next series where we're going to invite people to meet Christ in a very, very uh, special way and with excellence, I promise you we're always going to present the message of the gospel with excellence. And you, you're going to pray for that person. Then you're going to have an opportunity to invite them to church on Sunday morning. And I'm giving you permission right now that at the end of service, on the day that that person comes and they're sitting next to you, and we say, everybody bow your heads and close your eyes. And then I say, raise your hand if you want to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm giving you permission to peek. I'm giving you permission. When they come with you, I'm giving Because I'm going to tell you something. When you look up and you see that hand up, that, I promise you that will be your favorite day in church Ever. Ever. Because you help somebody find eternal life who was destined for eternity without God. So write down the name. It matters. And then number four, pray first for my needs. Your needs, not mine. Here, here's all I'm saying. Next time you have a headache, I'm not saying the Advil, the Tylenol is bad. or It's sin. It's, it's, that stuff's fine. As long as you don't take too much. But before you pop the pill... Why not pray first? Why not get in the habit of taking all of our needs to God? Before we search for our own answers, everything that comes up, pray first. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live, In Christ Jesus. Band, come on up. Here's the last, I just want to sum it up for you here. The last statement there in your notes is this. Real prayer is our first response, not our last resort. Real prayer is our first response, not our last resort.